Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. So let's just jump right into it. James chapter 3, verse number 1. This is uh, James, the, the brother of Jesus. Uh, and he's writing this to a group of Jewish Christians that have been scattered all over the known world. Um, and he says this to them. And it's kind of in your face. But he says... Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Uh, Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, uh, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark, which we can relate to this, knowing the fires that happened last year, the devastation there, and he compares the tongue to this. He says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed, and they have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. That's encouraging. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. We sang songs in church with our tongue, and with it, we also curse human beings on the 101, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth, he says, come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be, James says. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's talking about taming the tongue, taming the tongue. My, my wife and I, we, we talk about our words often. We, we, you know, having kids, they just, they will say whatever you say. So you got to be careful, right? What you say around your children. But my wife, she particularly, she has this thing where she, she just does not like to watch any movies that have any profanity in the movies. No cursing. She just, she just can't handle that. And, and, and I, I totally get what, where she's coming from. However, she, she will allow uh, war movies, uh, she, she will watch war movies, and even if they have a little profanity, and I asked her one day, I was like, babe, that's a double standard. Like, you, you know, you, 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 you will only watch war movies um, that have uh, cursing in them, or that sounds bad, you will only watch war movies that have cursing in them. No, you'll, you'll only watch, you get what I'm saying. And, and, and I said, babe, what is the deal with that? Like, how are you okay with watching a war movie if, if people throw a couple bombs out there uh, verbally. And she said, well, that's easy. If someone was shooting at your head, you'd probably be cursing as well. <laughs> Fair enough. It's hard to tame your tongue. Uh, let's just break this down verse by verse because I think it's so good for us. And I, as I'll show you towards the end of this talk today, I think it's very relevant for today being Father's Day. Uh, verse 1, he says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow uh, believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Here's what he's saying. James is saying, I understand as a teacher, because he's a teacher. I understand as a teacher. A lot of you want to be a teacher. He's like, but you need to understand something. Our words carry weight, especially when we're the person that's teaching other people. 
You've got to understand, he goes, because I understand that my words carry weight. I want you to understand that your words carry weight. And that, that the more you begin to understand that, you begin to watch your words and guard your words. He's saying, as a teacher, you need to be a steward of the words that come out of your mouth. I believe this, that every single one of us in here, you were teaching someone. Everyone's watching you. People are around you. You're influencing people in a certain direction. And we must understand that our words have weight. And he says this as a teacher, I understand that my words have weight. In verse 2, he says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He says, we all stumble. We all stumble. I I, I love that phrase, "I, I stumbled over my words. I think a lot of times in our life, we stumble over our words. The words that we say cause us to stumble relationally. It causes us to stumble when it comes to the influence that we have with people. We can stumble over our words. We all make a mistake. James is saying this. He's like, guys, I realize we're all human. You're going to say things that you regret sometimes. You're going to say things and you just wish you could go just kind of stuff that back in your mouth. You're going to have the foot and mouth moments where you're just going to wish you could just put your foot in your mouth. Like, why did I say that to her? Why did I say that to him? I shouldn't have kind of spouted off in the heat of the moment. He's like, we all stumble. We all have those moments. But then he goes on and he says this. He says, if you can learn, the person that can learn to tame their tongue, to watch their words, he says, that person, they'd be perfect. Now, that, 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 that word there is actually, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's not a good translation. The original language there, that word perfect simply means mature. It means complete. In essence, here's what James is saying. Your mouth is actually a metric of your maturity. Your, somebody's snapping over there. Your mouth is a metric, James is saying, to tell us if you are mature. Like, I can tell if you're spiritually mature by the words that come out of your mouth. Now, listen, I know that there are some people that know Christianese. They can sound spiritual. Oh, bless you, God bless you, my brother, my, my sister. It's like, praise the Lord. With one mouth you praise, and then you get in your car, and you like, you know, I mean, I know that you can fake it till you make it. You can kind of work it a little bit, and you can work some language. You can get the Christianese thing going. I realize that. But I'm telling you what, you get around a person long enough, you let them hit their hand with a hammer. You're going to see what's going on up in their heart. You let something happen because your mouth is a metric. It tells us a lot about you. Your words will tell us the, the, the quality of your faith. Your words will tell us the quality of your heart, if your soul is sick or not. I'm telling you, I've noticed this in my own life, that whenever there, there's, there's drama going on in my soul, my words are negative. My words are, are, are off. My, my words can veer off course. Why? Because your, your words, your mouth, it's a metric uh, of your maturity. That's what he's trying to say. Your words, they reveal the health and the maturity of your soul. Verse 3 through 5, he says, When we put uh, bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. He keeps going on. He says the word small like four or five times, right, in this whole passage. Anytime when something's mentioned numerous times in Scripture, you know it's trying to draw your attention to that. And here's what he's saying. He was like, a lot of you, to the the Christians here, a lot of you think that your, your words, they're not a big deal. And what he's trying to say is that though your words seem so insignificant to you, your small mouth is actually creating big problems. And that, have you ever noticed that big doors swing on small hinges? I, I think we, we underestimate, we underestimate what our words produce 
in our life and in the life of other people. And James is trying to say, guys, you got to get this. Your words, though they seem small, they actually are really a big deal. Your words are such a big deal. He's saying many people, they underestimate this, but the people of God, the people of faith understand the value of what's coming out of their mouth. They understand it. He keeps going in verse six. He says, the tongue also is a fire. Now this gets heavy. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. It is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and they've been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, now he's, he's beginning to, to paint this picture of how severe and, and just the damage can be, how we can ruin areas of our life. We can ruin our marriage. We can ruin our kids. We can ruin our future. We can ruin everything with just our mouth. And he's getting this so intense in this moment. If you could just read the tone in this, this text here, it's, like he's, it's almost like he's yelling like, guys, you've got to get this. He's got such a conviction and a burden as a pastor saying, guys, I want you to understand that if you don't get, a, get control of your mouth, it's going to ruin every area of your life. And he's so passionate about it. He's trying to teach them, you need to tame your tongue. But the problem is, is there's this paradoxical challenge that we have. He says in one sense, tame your tongue. And then he says in verse 8, no human can tame their tongue. It's like, James, you're confusing us here. You're telling us to tame our tongue, but that we cannot tame our tongue. What are you trying to say there? I think what he's doing is this. He's, he's, he's trying to communicate to us that in your own effort, you cannot tame your tongue. But you can try. Have you ever tried that? I have tried. I have tried and I have messed up like some, of the, some relationships and burnt some relationships that, that I love so much. I, I think about uh, one of the ways that I damaged a relationship with, with my tongue years ago was with my mom. My mom one night, her and I, we got into a huge argument. I was about 17 years old and uh, she, she didn't want me to drive because I had been drinking. That's a, probably a good mom, right? And so <laughs> she pulled her car behind my car and she was like, you're not going anywhere. You're not leaving, son. I don't care if you get mad at me. I love you too much to let you leave. And I, 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 I punched my mom's window. I like smashed the window. I was so mad. I was out of control. And my mom looked at me and she said, she said, I'm, I'm not going to let you leave. So I, I took her car and I put it in reverse and I moved it. And then she stood behind my car. She was like, you're going to have to drive over me if you're going to leave. Because I'm your mama and your mama said so. You know, she's like just going off on me. And I got out of the car and I looked at my mom and I said, mom, this is after my dad had already left my mom. And, um, and it was not her fault. She was an amazing woman of God. And I looked at my mom. I said, you know what? If you don't move out from, from behind my car, I said, you're going to lose me just like you lost your husband. You couldn't keep him and you can't keep me. And right then I remember these huge tears streaming down my mom's face. And she still wouldn't move. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, that damaged our relationship for a little bit. My mom was a woman of grace, so she forgave me. And she loved me through it. And she knew that I was just an immature punk kid, just, you know, just being rude. And, but I didn't know how to, how to guard my words. I, I know another way that I really damaged a relationship. It wasn't with the words I said, but it was with the words I didn't say. I gave my dad the silent treatment for six years. And here's what I thought. He doesn't deserve for me to speak to him. And I'm going to be silent and not talk to him. And I'm going to pay him back with my silence. 
I'm going to refuse to have a relationship with him because I want him to hurt the way he's hurt me. See, our words, our mouth, it can do so much damage. How do we tame it? James says you can't. You need someone else to tame it. You need an outside source. In the same way that you, that you, you need, uh, th- that an animal cannot tame itself, it needs someone else to tame it. James, I think, is painting the picture saying, as humans, we can't fix ourselves. You can't tame yourself. You need someone else to do it. And essentially, he's pointing us to Jesus. I really believe this with all my heart. He goes on. And he says in verse number 10, and, 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 and this is where it gets really good. Verse number 10, he says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be this way. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a, can a salt spring produce fresh water. Here's what he's saying. Watch. He's saying that figs come from trees, that water flows out of springs. Here's the point he's trying to make is it's not about your words. It's about something deeper. It's about the source. If I could sum up this whole thing, it would be this, is that if you're going to tame your your tongue, uh, God has to first tame your heart. That's the tame. The taming of your tongue is actually the taming of your heart. That, that, that's the source. I, I love it because this is even the language that James's brother Jesus used over in Luke 6. He says this, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Maybe you've heard that translation before. Out of, out of the abundance, what's in your heart, it's going to come off of your lips. I had a, this, this like, really country preacher one time. He, he actually came and spoke at our seminary. We were, we were training in at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And he was talking about this particular text. And he said this, what's in the, in the heart uh, will we'll come off of your lips. And he said, let me say it the way that my, my daddy used to tell me. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. I love that. What's down in the well, what's been stored up in the well, it's going to come up. It's just going to happen. If it's corrupt, if it's polluted, whatever you've been treasuring and storing in your heart, it's going to come off your lips. It's just going to happen. It, you, you can try to keep it down. You can try to hold it back. You can try to tame it. But the issue is not here. The issue is actually here. It's much deeper than just our, our words. Uh, Dr. Stephen Trammell, he was one of my professors in seminary. Uh, he was telling this story one time, and he said that uh, he was hanging out with this guy from his church. They were playing golf. And talk about taming the tongue. Um, you will find out a lot about an individual playing golf, okay? <clears throat> you will, trust me, even pastors. Um, and, and, and Dr. Trammell was, was playing golf with this guy. This guy shanks this, this hit, and the guy just throws his golf club, and he just blanketed, blank, blank, blank. I mean, he just beep, beep, beep. It's like, you know. And then, and then he realizes I'm playing golf with my pastor. <laughs> so he turns around to Dr. Trammell. He goes, Pastor, I, I am so sorry. You got to forgive me. I have a dirty mouth. And Dr. Trammell so graciously just smiled and said, it's all right, brother. You don't, you don't have a dirty mouth. You have a dirty heart. <laughs> And he said, I'm just teasing. He was like, but we're going to work on that. <laughs> as a pastor, listen, as a pastor, people all the time are, are when they find out I'm a pastor, they're like, they, they've, they've been like talking a certain way. And they're like, so what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. They're like, hmm. They're like trying to remember everything that they said. They're like, 
it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like, I, I get it. Like, it, it doesn't bother me at all. But it was so funny, that, that statement. The taming of the tongue begins with the taming of the heart. Listen, there, there are definitely some practical things that we can do to tame our own tongues. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God's just going to, like, fix your heart, fix your words, and there's no work that you have to do. We cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our heart. There are things that we can do. Like, I wrote down some here. Uh, we need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. That's a good idea. I think God gave us two ears and one mouth because we should probably listen two times as much as we speak. We can maybe stop saying the first thing that comes to mind when we're having a heated conversation. We could call a timeout before we respond in the heat of a moment. We could listen. Uh, we could learn to ask ourselves this question. Right before we speak, we could ask this question, are the words I'm about to say going to add value to this person or this situation? Like there are so many practical things that we could do. As Christians and non-Christians, there's so much. But I'm telling you, it's got to it's gotta go deeper than us just saying, I'm going to fix myself. You can't do it. I can't do it. I've tried. It doesn't work. Here's what you can do, though. How do we tame the tongue? I'm going to give you three really practical things. The first one is this, is you have to admit that there is a problem. You have to admit, if, if you survey your life and you think of the words that you speak, you have to first, you have to take ownership of this. That's what James is saying. Guys, you understand the weight of your words and you need to take ownership and responsibility of it. You, you have to admit it first. You have to come to grips with the fact that I, I, I've been hurtful with my words. I've gossiped. I've slandered. I've been manipulative. You, you have to come to terms and say, I, I don't want that to be the course of my life. And you have to admit that. Second one is you have to accept that you cannot change yourself. You, you have to do it. I think in every area of, the, of transformation that God wants to do in our life, we have to first come to that place and say, I can't fix myself. I can't, but you can. We have to get to that place. And the third one is we have to allow Jesus to change our heart by welcoming the Holy Spirit to deal with us deep in the recesses of our heart. Write this down. You will never change what you say unless Jesus changes who you are. You will never change what you say unless Jesus changes who you are. But let, let, me, let, me, let me go a step further. I, I, I would submit to you that taming your tongue is not just harnessing your tongue and holding words back, but taming is actually training your tongue to speak a new way, to, to speak in a life-giving way, a way that produces life, a way that, that adds value, a way that builds people up, not tears people down. God's giving you this not just as a, as, as a weapon against the enemy, but as a tool to build people up all around you. That's why he's giving you these words. Proverbs 18 says it like this, and James is simply echoing the sage in Proverbs in James 3. But in, Pro, in Proverbs 18, he says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. Most of the time as I grew up, hearing this verse quoted, people focused on the power of death side. And I think that there is, there is something that we have to pay attention to and understand our words, they do have potential and power to produce death in our lives, death in our marriage, death in our, in our kids' self-esteem, death in our, it, it has that power. But you, you can't skip over the first part because that's the good part. Like our words also have the potential and the power to produce life. Man, that, just think about that. Your words can produce a pleasant life or a painful life. I choose to produce a, a pleasing and pleasant life, not just death, listen, but we can choose life. 
The power to build up instead of tearing down. The power to encourage instead of discourage. The power to add value instead of devaluing people. The power to lift up people rather than pulling people down. We have a decision that we can make to tame our tongues and to train our tongues to be life-giving tools in, in the kingdom of God. That's what he desires for us in our life. I was watching the... Um, I was watching the uh, Kentucky Derby last week. I don't even know much about, about rodeos and horses and stuff like that. I, I have a pair of boots up here, but that's about the extent of my cowboyness. Uh, um, but I was watching because, you know, we, we were in Louisiana, and, and that's just what they do, I think. They watch horses and, and, and chickens and stuff. And I'm kidding, guys. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, listen, um, not only did I watch Kentucky Derby last week, we went to a rodeo. Our family, we went to a rodeo, and uh, it was weird. I'm gonna be honest; it was weird. Um, but we went to a rodeo, and it, it, it was it was it was cool because our kids just watching. Like I'm not into rodeos, but my kids are. They're like just animals and stuff. And so our kids are like, "We want to ride a bull. We want to ride a bull." I'm like, "Dear God, no." Okay, I'm like, I'm like, there's no way we're gonna let that happen. But um, we found out that you can that your kids they can ride sheep, and I started to play the video for you. I didn't, I didn't have, I have the video on my phone. I couldn't, I, I'll play it for you one day. Just go follow me on social media. You'll die laughing. But uh, our, both of our sons, they, they, they get back there. They're like so amped up. They're like, we're riding a sheep. And <laughs> little Nixon, little Nixon gets on that sheep and the, the gate flew open and that sheep, it looked, that sheep looked like somebody like lit a fire under it. It just came flying out of the chute, and he's just like holding on for dear life, come flying off of it. Jennifer's over there just about to pass out, thinking our kids are going to die. It was hilarious. Anyway, so we were around all these horses and all this farming stuff. It was crazy, but we watched the Kentucky Derby, and it was amazing. If you didn't see it, uh, this horse, Justify, won, won the Triple Crown. It was, it was beautiful. It was really an amazing feat. But I thought about something because that horse, um, as I was reading James 3, that horse, it was tamed, but it was also trained. And the way that it was tamed and trained was with a bit in its mouth. That it, They put a harness around it, and it, that horse was wild at one point, right? It was kind of crazy and whatever, and they had to break it. Someone outside of himself had to work with him and, and break him. And sometimes that's what God has to do with us, right? He has to break us a bit. He has to, he has to break those areas of our life that are just messed up. He breaks us to heal us, then to redirect us. And, and here's what James, he actually uses that, that language of a horse, how a horse is this massive animal, but, but a horse will be guided by the bit that's in its mouth. This small thing will, will guide it. I think in the same way, what he's trying to say is this, is that you and I, we can, we can not only tame our tongue, but we can train our tongue to begin to guide our life in certain directions. We can begin to guide the direction of our relationships. Guide, that's what he's trying to say there. And I love that because here's, here's why I think it's so important. Many of, many of us in here, we grew up in homes where, where we didn't have good training in how to use our words. Because you know, you, know how, you know how a person learns to speak? By hearing people speak. And so you and I, we've grown up in homes and in environments and settings where maybe, maybe there was either verbal abuse or verbal neglect. And so you grew up in an environment, or I grew up in an environment where we saw stuff like this. We saw a dad come home from work that uh, would just, just come home, had a long day, and just, just take out all of his frustration on his family or talk about a coworker behind their back, dishonor, devalue. Or we saw our parents arguing and fighting. And as kids, we, we don't realize it, but it's shaping us. It's training us 
and how to speak and how to interact with people. Maybe it was verbal abuse. Maybe even things were said to you that you're ugly, that you're fat, that you'll never amount to anything. Maybe, maybe you grew up in an environment like that. Listen, that was actually training your tongue. Maybe it was verbal neglect. Maybe you never had someone say, I believe in you. I love you. You're going to do great things. Maybe you never had that. Or maybe the neglect was this. Another sibling was always celebrated and you never were. All of that actually trains us. It will train us how to interact with people and talk to people. But there's a new training that can happen. And I thought of a few ways that we can retrain ourselves. The first one I wrote down was this. You need to start surrounding yourself with people that, man, they're, they're, they just speak life. I, I tell you, I got a friend, Chad Veach. He's, he smiles from ear to ear, always a smile on his face. I've never heard him speak one bad thing about another person. He's always honoring people, always encouraging people, always celebrating people. Man, when I get around him, I get so convicted. I'm like, man, I need, I need, I need to speak more like that. You put yourself around some people that speak life, that are, that are always adding value, that are generous with their words, generous with honoring other people, generous with celebrating other people. You know what's going to happen? You're going to start to retrain the way that you speak because it's going to reveal to you the areas of your life where you haven't done that. You'll feel a level of conviction. The Holy Spirit will work in your life and you'll see that standard that it's beginning to call you to a higher standard. It will retrain you, retrain the way that you speak. I want to challenge you, church, as a pastor of this church, don't surround yourself with a bunch of people that are always negative and critical and gossiping and talking about other people. Surround yourself with life-giving people that speak life, that speak value, that are generous with their words. Second one is this, you can store God's word in your heart. You, you, you know what Jesus said in Luke 6? He said, he said, a good man brings out things that he stored out of the good treasury of his heart. That, he's saying he was intentional about storing things in his heart and then he could bring those things back out. Listen, you, you want to you wanna be a person that speaks life? Get the words of life in you. God's word is life. That's what the Bible says about itself. That God's words are the very life. It's, it's like when we, when we begin to inhale God's scripture, like just, it's like breathing in the breath of God, just like reading it, getting it in us. Man, I'm telling you, and then we go out around our family and our friends and our coworkers and we just exhale the word of God. You don't even have to go around people and quoting it and just speak life. Just tell, just tell, I'm telling you, just tell people, just go around and say, man, you are, man, you're, you're amazing. You're, you're, man, you got amazing purpose in your life. You don't have to preach at them, but you can quote scripture to them and they don't even know a scripture. You can be like a, like a gospel ninja, just like out there, just like, wow, just, I love it. Here's a third one. Look, look, this is the other way you can retrain your tongue on the job, on the job training. See, a lot of times we just, we just hold our tongue but we, we need to learn how to loose our tongue to start to actually start start speaking words. You'll learn the language of, of speaking life to people as you just do it. As you write people uh, uh, thank you cards and you, you express your value to them. As you text people life-giving messages. The more that you do it, I'm telling you, it gets addicted, uh, addictive. Uh, you just like, you just want to do it. Like, you just want to encourage people. I'm not talking about some weird flattery. I'm talking about genuine honor and, and expressing your esteem towards people and celebrating people and showing your love to people. There's something about it. You won't be able to stop, but first you got to start at least trying it. Training is trying. Just try it. Just go for it. Here's what I wanted to, to, to encourage you with. My mom told me this when I was young. She said, Jason, she said, value unexpressed is value unreceived. If you really value the people around you, don't assume that they know it. You got to tell them. You got to tell your kids. You got to tell your wife. You got to tell your friends. Tell your boss. Just tell them. Say, I just want to tell you how much you mean to me. 
I want to tell you how much I love you. Value unexpressed is value unreceived. My challenge to you is to do this this week. I want you to do this this week. Just, just write two people a card. Write a text. Say something encouraging. Give somebody a phone call. Say, I was thinking about you. Stop someone and just look at them in their face. And say, I want to tell you this. I don't know if I've ever told you this. And just speak life to them. I'm telling you, that's what God wants you to do with your words. It's not just about you not saying bad things. He wants you to use your words as a tool to build people's life up. The Bible talks a lot about this, this, this phrase, prophetic, prophetic ministry. Uh, there's two types of prophetic things in the Bible. There's a prophet, which is an office. Uh, it's a position and they would declare God's word. But then also there is something called the prophetic, which is simply this. Prophetic is only this. It's just encouraging people with your words, building them up, man, just just communicating the value of God that God has for them and seeing something in them and calling it out. It's just building people up. If someone ever gives you a prophetic word and it doesn't edify you, encourage you and build you up, then it wasn't a prophetic word and it wasn't from God. It was a pathetic word, not a prophetic word, okay? Don't tell them that. Just say thank you for that word. God bless your heart. Uh, I'll finish with this right here. Um, I, I went on staff at this church a few years ago. I had never heard anything about prophetic ministry. I always thought that the prophetic was just talking about end times, Jesus coming back, Mark of the Beast, crazy stuff, everything, everybody's going to hell. I thought it was like that. I didn't know that it was actually a life-giving thing. And uh, so I went to get to this church, Gateway Church, and they told me when I first took over this position as youth pastor, they said, hey, um, tomorrow night we have a senior prophetic night. I was like, what is that? And they said, seniors in high school are graduating. And before they go into this next season, we have a team of people that uh, have a, a calling, a gift of prophetic ministry on their life. And they've had these seniors' names that have registered for this evening and they've been praying for a solid month and asking God to give them a word, uh, to, uh, a word of encouragement to build them up for the next season they're about to go into. Man, I would have loved to have had that when I was a senior in high school. But I did think it was a little weird if I'm, if I'm candid with you. I was like, I've never been a part of that before. And they said, by the way, we want you to host the whole gathering. I'm like, oh my goodness. I get there. I felt so like out of place. Like, I don't know what to do. I was just kind of making stuff up. I was like, you know, Prophetic ministry is, I don't know what I was saying. I was like, and I'm going to invite this guy to come up and share with you about prophetic ministry. And, you know, but this guy got up and he began to explain. He said, here's, here's what, here's what uh, prophetic did, the prophetic is. He said, prophetic people, they either hear something from God, they sense something from God, or they see something. And then they simply just say it. Say it. Here's what I hear. Here's what I sense. Here's what I, here's what I see. And, uh, and I thought, well, that's pretty simple. And, um, and then he said this, he said, you know, in the Bible, you see these three offices, you see these three positions, you see the king, you see the priest, and you see the prophet. And he said this about those three, and I wrote this down because I didn't want to mess it up. He said this about those three individuals. He said that a, here it is, he said that a priest makes provision for their people, a king leads with wisdom, and a prophet communicates the heart of God to the people of God. And then he said this, he said, in scripture, Jesus was all three. Jesus was the priest that made provision for his people. He was, he's our king that leads us with wisdom. And he was also a prophetic voice communicating the heart of God to the people of God. And then he said this, and, and I wanted to bring this home to, to dads because he said this, um, he said in the home, and this isn't to devalue mothers or anyone, uh, any other role in the home, but I do want you to feel the weight of this. He said, 
in the family unit, he said the father actually serves in all three of those roles. He said that the father, he said, acts as the priest. The Bible says he's the priest of their home, making provision for their home. They're, they're, they're like a king. They can take that in a weird place, but uh, I'm the king, you know. But, but, but they're supposed to provide leadership for their family. Leadership with wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God. But the third one is that prophet is, they're a prophetic voice in their home, speaking and communicating the value of God into their family, to their wife and to their children, calling out the greatness of God in them, evoking their destiny and calling out the great things and, and reminding them who they are, speaking to who they are. And I remember this guy was talking about this and this is what he said. He said, guys, we're about to have this moment of prophetic ministry and there's a team that's gonna, they're gonna share an encouraging word to you. But right now you're about to get the most powerful prophetic word you have ever received right here in this moment. And he said, seniors, I want you to stand up. They all stood up and he said, dads, I want you to stand up. And you could tell all the dads started sweating. They were like getting like, oh my, what's about to happen here? And he said, he said, dads, I want you to turn and look at your child. And it was awkward at first because there were some people there, they didn't have any fathers. And so we got some of our leadership team to go and stand in place of their dad. And we were, they were all, all these fathers, beautiful. They were all facing their children. Here's what that pastor told them to do. He said, dads, he goes, you're about to give a prophetic word to your child. And he said, and here's all I want you to do. I want you to look into their eyes and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, show me what you see in them. And he just, he just had this moment, he paused. And you can see these dads were squirming a little bit. Most of them, most men, we don't like to talk. I, I heard that women speak uh, double the amount of times that men speak. We're just like, you know, women are like, how were your day? And we're like, good. You know, that, that's us, right? And so the, a lot of these men, they don't, they don't do a lot of talking and they're staring in the eyes of their children. They're saying, Holy Spirit, Tell me what you see. Help me to see what you see so that I can say it and call it out in them. And I'm telling you, I watched the hearts of children turn back to their fathers. I saw families come together and begin to weep and cry in that moment. Why? Because our words carry weight and our words are powerful. I wanna encourage you dads. And again, I don't wanna devalue moms or anything like that. But if you're a father here, I wanna encourage you, don't hold your words in unless they're words that do not produce life. You have life. You have life on the tip of your tongue. Speak that to your children. Speak that to your wife. Begin to shape the, the quality of your home. Begin to shape that atmosphere with the power of your words. Amen. Come on, why don't you bow your heads with me. Father, we love you so much and we just thank you for this word today. Thank you that, that God, that you do want us to understand that our words do carry weight. And God, right now, I just, I, I let this be our prayer today. Like the psalmist said in Psalm 19, he said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing, number one, to you. But God, may the words of our mouth be pleasing to the people around us. May they honor people. May they, may, may they show value to people. May they communicate, God, that we believe in them. God, that we speak life, that we build people up with our words. God, that's what James was trying to say. God, may we not only tame our tongue, but may we train our tongue to speak life into people. God, we pray that today. With every head bow and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this. You know, we talked a lot about 
our mouth. But I think what God may be speaking to some of you is maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you need to invite him into your heart to come into your life. In this moment right here, this, this is all I want you to do. If you say, Jason, I, I need forgiveness of my sins. I want a fresh start. I want God to begin to work in my heart. I don't like the direction of my life. I feel like my life is empty. Today, you can simply just invite God to come into your life. You can do it just by praying a simple prayer, just saying, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I invite you into my life. I invite you into my heart. I ask you to save me. Give me a new beginning. In Jesus' name. Just praying a prayer like that. That's all you got to do. God, I pray for those that are here today that say that they want to begin a relationship with you. That God, that they would just begin to take steps towards you. God, your word says in James that those that draw near to you, you will draw near to them. God, I thank you that right now in this moment, you are drawing near to people. I pray your blessings over everyone here today, especially our dads, that I'm having an amazing day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.